This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are three fantastic human beings, Nick White. Hey. Kate Lamphere. Hi. And Adam Ferris of the Good Fight comic. Adam, how are you? Welcome to the show. This is the first time you've ever been on. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, my name is Adam Ferris. I'm the founding editor of The Good Fight. The Good Fight is a comic anthology taking a stand against hate and bigotry, racism and bigotry. Heck yeah. Yeah, um, all of the proceeds are going to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, They are an organization kind of like the ACLU, which uh, where they help uh, change laws. But one of the things that they do that really attracted us to them is they help um, directly victims of hate crimes. So people that need medical help, uh, law help, financial assistance, things like that, they they help those people directly. And that was really appealing to us um, because this feels like a really personal book in terms of stories and everything um, and perspectives. So it just seemed like the perfect uh, charity to, to throw all of the proceeds at. That's awesome. I, yeah. we're, we're super happy to have you here. I'm glad we were able to make like a recording happen You know, while you guys are in the middle of your Kickstarter. Um, or I guess this is being released in the middle of the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about like what the good fight is and what you guys are striving for? I know you've got a ton of different creators, but I'll let you speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, we have um, 42 stories, um, all um, different perspectives. It's really interesting because uh, there's a lot of uh, different views going on about how to handle uh, racism. And one of the things that we really clung to early on was that this is going to be um, a really smart book about it and um a peaceful book we're not um antagonizing you know the other side or hate groups or anything like that um Mm -hmm. we're definitely taking a stand and saying it's wrong um to you know be a racist to be a bigot to be a misogynist um but we're not like we should run out into the streets and hit them with baseball bats or anything like that. So, gotcha. you know, it's it's more about uh, what can we do with our, our minds and our brains and to change things that are more lasting and uh, uh, has a longer effect. Um, yeah. Did I answer that? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that sounds great. I didn't want to interrupt you by any means. Um, so you said you were the founding editor on this book. Um, mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about what that means as like, like a big anthology because we've spoken with a couple people who have worked on anthologies before um but i mean every everyone is different yeah so it's always kind of weird i i see now um how you kind of label the roles of everyone involved in an anthology and we weren't really sure how to do that for a minute i considered myself just the glue at one point where i was just like all right you talk to this person and you talk to that person but uh so i'm the founding editor so i guess uh Essentially, it, it stemmed from my idea of creating this anthology. Um, uh, so that's what makes me the founding editor. But um, I have what we call a story editor, which is Danny Lore. Uh, Danny um, is uh, editor of The Wilds from Black Mass Studios, which is a great yeah. book. Yeah, really yeah. good book. Um, and also edits a magazine called Faya. Um, and Danny... 
uh, is the story editors. So they go over all of the scripts. Um, and we have also worked together on kind of like green lighting what strip scripts come in and what ones don't make it, um, which is a really huge task, uh, especially on a uh, an anthology about you know social awareness and everything. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's actually get, got really trying at some points, but um, yeah. So uh, they helped me with that, and then I also have Michael Perlman, which is our project manager, and he was uh, the assistant on Where We Live from Image Comics. Um, he basically is our hub, which he helped. He helped bring on a lot of the creators. He uh, helps us communicate with all of them efficiently. Um, he has these excellent spreadsheets that keep us up to date on uh, what creators, where where creators are at with uh, each of their stories and things like that. And and uh, it's it's just wonderful to have him. And um, I am a totally unorganized person, so to have an organized person on my team is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Nick, Kate, feel free to jump in. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep talking. Yeah, no, Nick had a really good uh, point in the show notes. Um, Did the public's reaction to uh, where we live and then also love is love, did that influence your decision to make this anthology? That is a really good question Um, because I at first I thought, well, no, I don't think it did. But then actually I think they actually did because – we are seeing more of these anthologies and I've, I've gotten both of them, you know, before this. And, um, I think it's just what we do now, right? It's just part of our, it's part of comic books now, you know, and to say that they didn't really like direct me, I think is wrong because they, they certainly started something. And I suspect that we're going to get more anthologies like love is love, where we live, the good fight, there's going to be more and more that are not only contributing to what comics are and how we consume them, but what they do for the world, you know, um, to make it better. Um, there's also this Nightmare Kills Fascists, uh, which is a politically horror-based one. Um, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's more and more uh, out there. But, yeah, that's a, that's a really great question because I think it did actually influence me. In the same vein, um, in terms of uh, dealing with these other projects like Where We Live and Love is Love, um, did you find yourself turning to the people who worked on those projects for advice in terms of bringing together an anthology, or is uh, an anthology the sort of thing that you've actually um, had some experience with? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I knew early on, because I've I've done very small roles in anthologies, that um, i did not have the know-how to fully create a bigger anthology. So I immediately turned to some people that I knew uh, that did. Um, The very first anthology that I was on was called Unlawful Good, and it was put together by Heather Antos. Um, So I ran straight to her once I knew that this was going to happen, and I'm like, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she was amazing and helped me – out a lot uh, very early on, helped me find uh, some of the initial creators. Uh, she was the one that connected me with um, Mark Wade. Mark Wade's script was actually the very first script that I had gotten in my hands um, for this oh, book. Wow. 
yeah yeah so then it was like okay i think we can we have something here we can use this you know to get you know some bigger names as well so um um, but yeah, and then uh, I also have um, actually on my team too, uh, Eric Palicki, which he's done some anthologies himself. He is helping us out with the Kickstarter. So he's running the whole Kickstarter because um, he's a Kickstarter guru. So um, yeah, there's, you know, and then connecting with um, Michael Perlman was just amazing. He already has the structure on how to physically put it all together um, from where we live. And this is his second anthology. Um, but he's got it down like already. So to have him there uh, to be able to do that. And if it weren't for reaching out and asking for help with people that I've already known and networked with, um, there's no way this this thing would have happened. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Yeah, how did I mean, this get started? Like... It, got, it got started... Um, uh, August 12th of last year, I was watching um, the chaos in Charlottesville uh, mm-hmm. happen. And like a lot of people, I was just kind of sick to my stomach over it. And mm-hmm. late that night, um, once everything had calmed down, I was just angry. And I, I said, if anybody wants on Twitter, I tweeted, if anybody wants to create an anthology against white supremacists, I'm down. That's all I said. And what I was thinking was that I just wanted to draw one of the stories in there like normal. And then by the next day, I had hundreds of responses of people who are like, yeah, let's do this. What do we do next? And then I realized that I guess I am now the the editor instead. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, we yeah. Know- we know from like the the ash can that you sent us which thank you by the way like that's beautiful and i think if anybody out there wants to read this you guys are making this available or am i speaking out of turn no yeah we we will be all you got to do is reach out to us uh at good fight comic on our twitter or you can reach me personally at my twitter at adam underscore ferris underscore art um i will happily email you a digital copy of the ash can yeah we know from the ash can like you've you've contributed to this on top of editing this like what what's that been like i guess yeah yeah so uh the i i definitely being an artist i wanted to contribute art into this anthology as well um so we had two stories that were that we had pretty early on um and they were direct uh stories from the charlottesville stuff and we wanted to put that in the ash can because um it kind of shows the beginnings of the good fight now the good fight really like branches out from there um it's not all about charlottesville by any means very little of it actually is ultimately i would say but um yeah but to be an artist um on one of the stories was just amazing it was also really scary you know i gotta be careful what i draw how i draw mm-hmm. it you know um i'm drawing i'm literally drawing some white supremacists in this story and i you know you don't want to make them look great but you know they are a bunch of clean cut fellows like <laughs> from what we see you know, it, <laughs> right. it's like really hard to you know to so all you got to do is just go for realism you know to like how do you see things and um yeah so as an artist uh, and I'm sure some of these writers can uh, attest that it, it can be a difficult task when we're when we're dealing with this kind of thing. 
Yeah, so I didn't know what an ash can was <laughs> when Mike sent this to us. Um, can you, do you know the history of ash cans or what they're used for now or how you came about making one, deciding to make one? I don't know the history. That's a really good, actually, I never even thought of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, the so my, and I've actually talked to a few different people and everybody always seems to have a little bit um, understanding of what an ash can is. But um, an ash can is more like a preview book. So our book our full anthology is 42 stories in full color, but we wanted to promote it a little bit, especially during New York Comic Con. So we made uh, two of the stories, uh, got them done uh, without the color. So we just wanted to do it in black and white so we could keep the print costs down. Most ash cans are black and white for that reason. Um, and then I had 325 of them printed up and I took them with me to New York and we handed them out for free just to help promote. Um, so you could get just a bit of a taste of, as to what this is like. Um, so yeah, it's, it's ultimately just a preview book. Yeah, I thought it was really um, neat. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I work in publishing, so I, I see some of those early marketing materials, and it's really interesting the way that there's a variety of different different ways to promote something like this early on. So it was really neat to see the comic book version of, of some of the things I've seen in, in book publishing. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun and a little stressful because we weren't totally ready for it. But we were like, we can do this. We got time. We can do this. And then mm -hmm. all we had to do was pay for like expedited printing because we cut it so close. Yeah, <laughs> <wow>. yeah. <laughs> but it worked out. It was okay. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, I only have the PDF, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe this is too much of like a how the sausage is made sort of inside baseball-esque question. Um, but I was wondering, uh, obviously, as you pointed out, with the ash can, the current stories are strictly pencils and inks, um, as you just explained why. Um, I was wondering in the future when, as the promotional materials discuss, um, you're going to have full color for all of the stories. Um how you're going to handle that has everybody already been told like find your own colorist or are you dealing mostly with artists who self-color anyway or i mean that's just the sort of thing that you know it had me wondering like logistically <laughs> how is the coloring situation being handled yeah it's it's uh anthologies are interesting because there's no like a golden rule book it's it's a lot more complex than just a single issue uh oh, comic totally. You know, um, you just have so many different working gears. And then you have, all, with all these creators, You every creator has uh, a way of in which they prefer to work or right. who they work with. Um, so it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis. Um, we, when we sent out uh, invites or took submissions, um, we one of our big questions was always like, you know, if you're a writer, do you have an art team? Um, and who all does that include and um so yeah some some people came with i have my writer my my line artist my colorist and my letter and then some people come wow. with you know less than that or you know some stories came with just the script and we got to you know fill in but then at the other on the other end it works out because you'll have like colorists that are just like hey i really like the idea of this i want to color some stories and then we just ask them like how many pages they're willing to do and then we just see where it all fits and um it's kind of like putting together a big puzzle um that will drive you insane <laughs> <laughs>
I guess when when this Kickstarter is finished, I know you said you've got like some stuff already submitted, some things in pencils and inks. Um, like things are constantly in progress, and I know it's a little bit before everything's even started when we're recording this. But um, how much of the anthology do you think will be finished by the time like the Kickstarter ends, and like what's your expected rollout for things? I know maybe I'm asking questions a bit too far in advance, but um, <laughs> for people that are interested, maybe they want to know like when can they expect it for Christmas? Should they expect it next year? Yeah. So. Um... The Kickstarter, well, the book is still being made, as you said. Um, we are planning on uh, f- having all of the art and lettering, lettering is the final stage, mm-hmm. uh, done early January. So, um, and then you have to have, you know, a couple of weeks for the designer to put it all together. And then you have to send it out uh, to a printer They'll send you a proof. Um, you approve or disapprove if something's messed up. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. a page is upside down or something. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and then it takes a few weeks after that to get it all printed and um, shipped uh, back to us. Um, so we're thinking, you know, it'll actually get in your hands uh, probably about. This is actually a really good question for probably Eric, but I think we said. April, okay, is when you'll actually receive it. Um, yeah, I mean, by no means am I like holding you to this. Yeah, exactly. Generally, generally, so <laughs> yeah. Great. Now I'm getting it tattooed on my forehead. Yep. <laughs> for added pressure. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's I, I honestly I that that sounds like a great turnaround given the number of people collaborating. I know that uh, some anthologies that I've contributed to in the past, um, it's like well the turnaround time went from you know four months to eight months because you know some people just couldn't get things in on time or you had problems with printing. I remember there was one anthology I back that it was getting printed in like Korea or China or something, and then there was like a labor strike, and then there was a like a tropical storm, and so it was like oh yeah well we just can't get these books literally out of the dock that they're sitting in in China. Um, you know, and I, I understand like that stuff happens literally out of your yeah. control. Um, but no, that's, that sounds like great turnaround time. I mean, for, for when this Kickstarter is going to be starting, it, or it's going to be running through November. Um, Alternatively, really cool. Mike just gave you some perfectly good excuses to use if things get, you know, <laughs> held up and you, you need yeah. a line. Quote unquote acts of God. Can't help it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think I may have backed that book as well, just saying. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't want to say what I wanted to say. Your books yeah. are just sitting next to each other on that boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm curious about your background in art. Um, I think that you're from the middle of Michigan. I am, I'm, yeah. I'm also from the middle of Michigan and also sort of went into a design field. So I'm wondering what your education or training was like before you got into comics. Oh, man. Um so not a lot of formal education. Um, I, I think the last formal thing I did was uh, independent art in high school. Um, but I did that for like three years. But uh, yeah, after that, um, while I was in high school, I, I knew I wanted to do comics. Um, I just I've always loved comics ever since I was before I could read. And um, it's what got me reading. And um of course, I loved drawing them. And uh, basically, the, the story goes, I went to a portfolio review when I was 18. This was like, I don't know, 1999 or something like that. And um, I got like 
so crushed. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got put down so hard. Oh, um, no. Yeah, and it, it just, like, crushed me. And I was like, I'm never going to draw again. Like, I was 18. I didn't know how to take it, you know? Like, I was like, well, I guess I'm out. And uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't draw, like, for, I don't know, f- close to 15 years or something like oh, that. And then, oh, man. Yeah, and then one day I was, I just, just decided to just kind of, start doodling i guess and uh my wife was like you know you you might have something here why don't you like try harder at it (laughs) so (laughs) and uh so i did so i tried harder and then i realized that my only mistake with art was uh taking criticism too harshly um so i started practicing pages and i started going to more and more conventions and getting um feedback from professionals and at first it was rough again you know uh harsh criticism against it and then every time i just took it in i'm like all right i'm just gonna fix that whatever they said it was and every time it just got better and better um until eventually um i i often i went to ryan stegman hopefully this doesn't put him on blast and everybody takes their stuff to ryan stegman but i know ryan stegman pretty well now because he's from michigan as well and uh um but yeah he was he was helping me out a lot and uh eventually it just got to the point where he was just like you know i think you got it now you just need to just do repetition just keep making the pages and you you know you'll eventually get there um so now i quit bugging him about that and we just hang out but um you know (laughs) that's uh, cool yeah yeah but i you know and i think that's important for other creators to kind of not be jerks to to aspiring creators you know and uh help them where they struggle um and hopefully those aspiring creators uh can hear the the criticism that's constructive criticism um and and go from there so uh that's really my education on art is just listening to other people <laughs> yeah yeah no that's awesome i i think like you know everyone every single person's you know entry to comic books is a totally different story right. from like the you know h- like hundreds and hundreds of minutes of things that i've listened to and people at different panels and in online and podcasts and stuff so um that's really cool. I'm glad that, glad that you found a friend in comics on top of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm always interested to hear people's uh, path into their creative field because it's, like Mike said, it's just completely different if you're self-taught or if you, you know, go to a big school or something, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. with, with comics, I think it's really important for all aspiring creators to keep in mind is there's no guaranteed way in. You can't... You can't go to school and then graduate like the like the Kubrick school and and graduate and say, okay, well, I'm gonna go get a comic job now. It doesn't yeah. work that way. They will absolutely help you like give you some for real knowledge that you really should have. Um, and it will really, really help you like those schools. but there's no guarantee in any of it. it's it's really up to you and you just have to push yourself yeah. really hard. Especially as, as an artist, um, I know that at least in, in the industry that I'm in, we freelance um, a lot of the art, the, the actual like illustrations that we have done, and I imagine that comics is pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's it's hard. 
there's there's like I think they said there's eight like 800 people that work professionally in comics and that's all they have to do. But then there's like thousands of people that want to get in. You know, it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. super competitive, um, and you just have to be your best and just keep bringing it and never let any of it get you down. Just keep going. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's what makes like anthologies like this super important, though, because it gives people maybe a way to break in or say like, hey, I've got eight pages in this book. You can actually see that I can deliver something. And here's what it looks like. Right. Or here's what it sounds like based on how it's read or colored or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's hugely beneficial. Um, I was more or less just practicing um, and just wanting to get better until I finally saw Heather Antos's post like looking for more artists um, for her first anthology. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to try it. I don't know if I'm ready, but I'll just try it. And um, I got in and that was hugely beneficial to me. I did not see that coming. You know, I was was now able to go up to uh, like other writers and be like, yeah, I had a story in this book. And they're like, oh, really? I heard of that book. And then they would give you more, you know, more of a chance. And um, yeah, it's just, just keep putting stuff out there, and if it sucks, that's okay. Just, you know, <laughs> I look back at my older stuff now, and I'm like, eh, but, you know, yeah, just keep going. So do you think you'll ever, or have you, done a full-length issue or trade book before? Yeah, actually, I did do uh, a full issue uh, with um, Kelly Bender. It's called Indigenous. We put it on Kickstarter. It was successful, and it got out there. Um, and then... Um, right now, actually, I'm in the middle of drawing a uh, graphic novel, 64 pages. Um, I'm drawing the whole thing, so it's not an anthology. Uh, it's for Source Point Press. It's written by Jason Brooks. Um, and uh, yeah, it's called Parallel, so you'll see that sometime next year. So I've done uh, anthologies. I've done, uh, I'm doing a graphic novel, and I've done a, a full issue. So, Do you have a preference as to what you like to work on? Oh, anthologies are great because they're eight pages and you're done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. They definitely all have a different feel to them. I think I like the single issues the most because 20 pages about is is pretty nice because you get to really fully explore. You get to like for a lot of artists, they say that, you know, it takes four to six pages before you really hit your stride with what that art is going to look like in that book. So that's kind of the downside with anthologies is by the time you're like, all right, I got it. It's, you know, you're done. Um, But, you know, with single issues, you you, kind of catch your stride and then you can be like, all right, at least three quarters of this book I'm going to be really happy with. (laughs) Do you ever go back and redraw some of those pages then for anthologies? Uh, It depends on the time. Like if there's a, a, a tight deadline, um, you know, no, you know, if I have time and I'm unhappy with something, then yeah. Um, it also depends on the editor, you know, what the editor likes, dislikes. Uh, the The fastest I had to do a um, an anthology story, it was eight pages and I, I had nine days to do it and I was penciling and inking them. Wow. So there wasn't a lot of time for screw ups and, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jeez. time for anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just saw the book actually, and I was like, "Wow, I hardly remember uh, 
drawing these pages, I did them so fast. Yeah, I did it so fast. This was me, apparently. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, I've had projects like that myself. (laughs) Lay out this book in four days. Yeah. (laughs) Three months later, here's that book. Wait, what book? (laughs) But that's how it goes. You got to be ready for for that. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. always get a big, cushy amount of time to do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, so are you doing all this in the evenings? Do you have like a nine to five? Yeah, I do have a nine to five in a family, and oh my uh, gosh. I don't really sleep a lot anymore. Right. And, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's there's a lot of late nights, and uh, being an editor is interesting right now because this is my first editorial role, um, and uh, so there's lots and lots of emails all the time, um, which is a little maddening at times, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for cell phones. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Smartphones, <laughs> yeah, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I was wondering if it was possible. I know that we've been speaking about your, you know, uh, your role and your capacity as a an artist. I was wondering if you could elaborate on your collaboration with is it is it Mark Ranner or Rainer? I mean, we make it a you know big policy on this show to mispronounce people's names uh, all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm, so, so I'm afraid I'm not going to be too much help because I haven't talked to him on the phone or in person, <laughs> but um, I think it's right. Oh. I think it's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have only spoken, uh, you know, just like on messenger and um, email. So yeah. Um, yeah. The collaboration with him was he, he really wanted a story in the anthology. Um, okay. And um, he was like, I have a few ideas. So he sent me like, synopsis synopses of those <laughs> ideas sure and, yeah yeah and um uh, uh one of them really stuck out to me and it was the one we ended up going with because he is uh a twilight zone writer for the comic and mm-hmm. this one particular one was very twilight zone-esque and i was like yeah please we got to do this one it's just so cool like and I, i'm a huge twilight zone fan so um and then it, I loved it so much. I was just like, this has got to be the one I draw. I just have to. So I was like, can I please draw this one? Please, please, please. <laughs> if not, that's cool. I'll get somebody else for you. And, but he's like, no, yeah, let's do it. So um, he, he's really pro. Like he did this script and there were, we felt like that there was really nothing that we had to edit from his script. And um it was just like right there and boom and perfect. And um, yeah, so then I, unfortunately it's not the coolest story, but there wasn't a lot of collaboration <laughs> with me with involved. He did, um, he did uh, give me free reign on some of the characters. So there are, I don't mind spoiling the ash can a little bit cause we're just throwing it out there, but there are monsters in yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. So he let me design the, um, the monsters, which I love drawing monsters. So I went really crazy on that. I felt, and, um, yeah, it was just a lot of, it was, that was a lot of fun to, uh, create parts of that. Some of that story was really hard to draw though, because of the negativity, uh, that we had to display, uh, in the book, uh, as it's based on the protests in Charlottesville. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but towards the end, it, it, of that story it did get more fun to draw (laughs) i was gonna say you know when i finished that i was like this is something totally like twilight zone black mirror where you've got this twist and it goes from something maybe relatable or whatnot to becoming 
out there and weird and yet it also kind of had that twilight zone uh kind of under the surface morality going on you know what i mean like there's a lesson to be learned but it's not overt it's not in your face but there's always that sort of you know like be careful what you wish for and and uh, and i also kind of had that black mirror twist of like isn't technology great slash isn't technology terrible and and you know does, does, the <laughs> yeah. impro- does the betterment of technology necessarily mean the betterment of humanity so i i really liked that part of it too yeah yeah absolutely um it, it definitely blows up in the character's face and gives you some self-reflection i guess <laughs> yeah yeah but based on the the description in the Ashcan, I mean, not all the stories are have like a, a pure sci-fi twist. Like they're from all ranges, right? Yeah, yeah, we have all kinds of stories. One of the things that I put out very early on for the writers to kind of help direct them when they submitted was I wanted it to be genre free, so you can you can put your story into any genre that you want just to. Ha- make it be fun. I didn't want an entire book um, that was just depressing, like slice of life stories um, because this is kind of a depressing topic, right? So totally. um, And I, I feel that a lot of the people that are going to be purchasing this book already are against racism, probably, Um, you know, and we don't need to beat them over the head that just look how depressing racism and bigotry is so um i wanted to make it a fun read um as well now there are a couple stories that will just like hit you in the gut and they're over but for the most part i mean yeah we have like stories about aliens um with like space people and we have um a western we have uh we actually have a couple stories that are actually drawn like very cartoony like, um, mm. and they'll they'll actually make you laugh. Like I laughed out loud reading these things, but mm-hmm. it still drove the point home as to what they were making. You know, so I thought that was incredibly creative to be able to do that um, to make you laugh and still give you a lesson. That's really that's a really tough thing to do. But so yeah, there's all sorts of uh, feelings, ups and downs. Uh, in this book that that we put you through cool um so go ahead you've mentioned how um how much time and effort this has been taking and how much uh little sleep you've been getting (laughs) so i'm wondering if this is just if this has largely been a good experience and if you'd do something like this again um it's largely been a good experience uh uh i would say that um i'm pretty in touch with uh the, the world around us, you know, I, I stay up to date on, on news and current events and everything. And, um, for someone in my position, it can get, um, it gets hard, you know, to, to deal with that, um, especially on your own and, um, to have this huge group of creators supporting these ideas, uh, with me. And I'm every day I'm talking about these ideas and um, we've turned this book into more of a tale of hope and resistance that it kind of, it gives me hope, you know, and I feel, I feel better about a lot of this stuff. Like, even though 
it doesn't seem like the world is getting much better. I feel that there's a large amount of people that want to make it better. And that makes me feel good. And I hope that anybody that reads this book feels that same way that people have your back. And um, so would I do it again? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's been largely good. But the, the reason I don't know if I would do it again is because I do want to... Um, my personal goal as a comics creator is to be an artist and just work in the comics industry as an artist. Um, um, but you know, this is taking a, a year plus, you know, mostly out of, out of my time to be able to solely focus on that. So, um, which I'm happy with. That's fine. This, I think this book needs to be made and I think this book is going to be amazing. Um, but I don't know if I'd do it again. <laughs> Not yet anyway. <laughs> right. Might need some time away from it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, nonetheless, I mean, this book, this book sounds incredible. I'm really excited to check it out when um, it's out, like, really, when, it, you know, providing there aren't any shipping delays from China or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess like this, this almost feels like a good place to wrap up. So, um, Adam, where can people get a hold of you? Where can people find this, this awesome Kickstarter and everything like that? Um, you can get a hold of me on um, Twitter. Uh, I am Adam underscore Ferris underscore art. Um, or you can follow the Good Fight itself, which is at Good Fight Comic. Um, you can also find, if you want to see some of my art, you can. it's easier to see it on my Instagram, which is Mr. underscore Ferris. Um, and uh, yeah, November 12th is when the Kickstarter will launch. We're going to have lots of great uh, rewards. If you're an art collector, you're really going to love it. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Ask, ask us for an ash can. We'll get it to you. Yeah. Thanks. No, this has been, this has been super cool. Um, I, I, like I said, really look forward to this. I really love the ash can. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll wrap up with our regular show credits here. Um, you can follow the rest of us on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow Kate at Kate L Fear. You can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB podcast. Beyond that, we would encourage you to go check out our Goodreads group. That's the IRCB Goodreads group. Just go ahead and Google it. Uh, we have weekly threads, fun discussions. You really won't find another community out there that is more engaged, more positive, uh, and really asking fun and deep questions about comics. And if you did find another group that's like that, forget them. They're nothing to you. <laughs> and join us. Uh, who cares about them? Beyond that, go ahead and check out ircbpodcast.com. That's our website. We have a pronunciation guide there, which I've conveniently mispronounced likely another name today, so we can add that one to the list. Mm -hmm. And we also have merch, so if you need stickers or t-shirts, or, I mean, you don't need anything else. You just need stickers and t-shirts. I think we've pretty much covered you there. You can rate and subscribe in your favorite podcatcher. Ca That'll help us get more listeners and better rankings. You can email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And you can subscribe to us on Patreon for exclusive audio, early access, and pretty, some pretty sweet stuff. Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They are the best band in the universe. Xander, he is a true wizard, and he also edits the show. I want to say thank you to Adam, thank you to Kate and Nick, and double thanks to Adam again for being on the show. We're really excited for this Kickstarter. So until next time, make sure you read a comic and tell someone about it.
one, one more thing, since we did totally forget to do this in the middle of the show. <laughs> Adam, could you tell us about the cover to this book? Because the ash can has a really cool black and white cover that was done by Christian Ward, but you, I think, mentioned something's going to be different for the actual book? Yeah, so he, Christian Ward actually is, uh, he made us this uh, ash can cover, which is phenomenal. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to our Twitter, you can see it. Um, but actually, just yesterday, uh, he sent us the final uh, cover for publication, which is an entirely different cover. It's in full color. It is astounding. Um, our The whole editorial team is just freaking out over it. So I think it's honestly some of uh, Christian Ward's best work. He's uh, the artist on Thor, if you don't know him. Uh, he also has done Black Bolt. Um um, and Odyssey. So, uh, yeah, that's amazing. And then we're also actually going to have um, a Kickstarter exclusive cover from Kayla Valerio. Uh, so, if you back the Kickstarter, you'll be able to get your choice of the Christian Ward cover or the Kayla uh, cover. Um, some pretty exciting things. So, you got to go check out the Kickstarter page to at least see those covers, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you like beautiful arts, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. I mean, Christian Ward's art in, in general is amazing, but this other this other cover sounds great as well. So yeah. I look forward to checking it out. Thank you. <laughs> cool. All right. So we'll, we'll find a way to insert that into the, yeah. <laughs> into the well, show we somehow. Well, Xander's going to have to yeah. find a way. Yeah, Xander, <laughs> our wonderful wizard editor, will find a way to make this work. It's not our responsibility. <laughs> that sounds so right, yeah. legit, by the way. Xander the wizard. That's just... Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, his name is actually Xander, but we call him a wizard because he makes us sound wonderful when we mostly sound like idiots. So uh, we love him okay, to death good. for that. 